Get, uh, I would say, uh, many, many injuries. The star man, Tom Travojevic, is down. A lot, a lot of stuff's happening in the judiciary on Tuesday night. We're going to be crossing our fingers, toes, and hoping for the best. Uh, but one man that, I guess, had a better week than most, Brew SC, joined me once again. Mate, how are you going? Yeah, not too bad, Whisperer. How are you going today? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Look, I think it could have been a lot worse. Uh, looking at the team I was going to feel for next week, it doesn't look awful. Uh, just hoping Tyson Frizzell does get off uh, the charge that he's going to be facing at the judiciary. There's a, a mountain of stuff that's come out of this weekend. Most importantly, Tom Travojevic. Mixed reports. Some are saying one week, some are saying two, but the sources that I trust are saying closer to three to five. That's going to throw a huge spanner works in the team. For me, the first ideal replacement would be someone like an Adam Dewey. I mean, if you have Adam Dewey in your five-eighths and you have a dual position halfback, the best move you could probably make is like Travojevic out Cleary in via dual positions, that'd be pretty ideal moving Dewey down. Oh, absolutely. And sorry, Cleary at the moment is probably the only one that can really match what Trevojevic is doing. And I don't think anybody else in the fullback spot can actually do that. Whereas Dewey's punching out about a hundred per week. So I really like the Dewey move, especially if it means that you can get Cleary in. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably the most sensible. Like Trevojevic out, shift Dewey down to... Uh, half, sorry, shift should do it down to fullback. And then if you have a halfback that can move down, something like a Matt Burton, if you had Matt Burton as your backup half, uh, that'd be ideal to move him down, get Cleary. And I think that you don't lose too much production there. But, mate, how did you score this week? I got 14.65. I was looking really good uh, after Saturday night, and I actually thought I was probably going to get 15.50 plus. And then Sunday was Sunday was a real punch in the you-know-whats for me. It would um, cost me my charity league match against SC Spy. Uh, ended up seeing Red Arrows somehow scoring a 14.65, which is crazy, and dropped 42 spots. Yeah, I scored 13.50. I uh, saw Red Arrow had to play Jake Simpkin, but it looks like Jacob Little is out for the week. So anyone that's held Jake Simpkin, you're going to get a number there for next week. It looks like he's going to play 80. The, the biggest threat was obviously in buy in recent weeks, but he's playing fullback. So, yeah, Jake Simpkin looks like he's coming in for Jacob Little for a week, which I guess is ideal if you own him. Something that isn't ideal, though, Jerome Hughes uh, featured in the Storm's 26-16 to win over the Canberra Raiders. We saw that pretty shocking hit from Corey Hadawiranaro. There's no complaints from me. I think you're in the same boat about this. It's, it's a straight send-off. It looks like he's missing four weeks. Uh, look, he didn't score fantastic, 51 Kept that try assist uh, that was, I think, I would say pretty dubious. It's it's hard to to know with the line in the sand where Supercoach scoring stands. But a 51 from Jerome Hughes looks like he's probably out for the next two weeks. That's a, a real kick in the dick for, for owners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's been a real shining light this year in the halfback slot, and he's been playing some great footy. I didn't have any issues with the send-off. I did think it was a send-off. I thought Madison's was a send-off too, and there's another person that maybe during the week got off a little bit lucky during the game. But for me, CHN, unfortunately, as an owner, yeah, gone for a month. Gone for a month, but I guess it's a blessing in disguise. No longer the A nightmare scoring 15 to 25 points off the bench. It's, it's ideal. Uh, we see the Melbourne Storm at the top of the food chain here. A guy that we touched on last week that 
We said it's always a thorn in team sides. We don't know how he's going to go. Some weeks he'll come out and kill it. Other weeks he won't. Harry Grant back on the scene. How's that going to affect one particular Brandon Smith? But did score a try. Got an 82. As I said, we touched on him last week. And uh, you can never really tell when he goes huge. But he's always a thorn in my side. And always seems to pull out these scores when I need him to the least. Yep, the Wombat strikes again, mate. Uh, another barge over try. Another really solid score. Owners certainly cannot be disappointed. With all the carnage that's happening around injuries and suspensions and whatnot, uh, with Jerome Hughes going down, yes, it sucks. I wonder how Craig Bellamy's going to suit up next week, whether we see a Hines and Munster halves combination or he does bring in Cooper Johns. But Nico Hines, 72 on the weekends, with all the turmoil that's happening around, you'll, you'll take that every day of the week considering recent form of his. Yeah, absolutely. I personally think that uh, Pappenhausen will start at fullback this week, that Hines uh, will play seven. And I think you'll find that you might have someone like a Cooper Johns play on the bench. And let, maybe at that point in time when he comes onto the field, you might have Hines go to the fullback position and Pappenhausen might not play the 80. That's what I'm expecting to happen. You could even have the, the situation that happened this week where uh, Hines moves to that sort of roaming position that wouldn't hurt his supercoach standings at all. Mate, you're a Cam Munster owner. Now, 68 from him. Hasn't particularly set the world on fire, but he hasn't really let you down, though, either. No, he's been solid. He's always good for somewhere between the 50 to 70, and sometimes you need players like that. But overall, it's a little bit disappointing because, you know, we know he can have that really massive ceiling, um, but it's just not happening at the moment. Yeah, it's... It's one of the ones where you, you look at Cam Munster, you don't expect anything less than a 50, but you don't really expect anything more than a 120. You look at sort of recent years of him putting on these mega scores, I think he's transitioned more into a, a ball player rather than that, that one that's going to take the line on. He'll have it every now and then, but not the same as someone like a Cody Walker. But if you're an owner of Cam Munster, there's definitely worse options to, to have at that 5-8 role. Mate, we touched on Harry Grant last week. We say he was a pretty good trade-in. Uh, I still stand by that at 64. If you brought him in, you're not going to be upset with that. But if you did wait the week on Harry Grant, seeing him score a 64, it's one of those scores where it's sort of in the middle where you're not too upset that uh, he didn't go huge, but if you did bring him in, you're happy to pump out the mid-60s. Yeah, I think both sides of the fence would be pretty happy. You know, 64 might be a little bit disappointing, but it's still 64 points, and you're not going to look at that and go, oh, that ruined my week. And for the non-owners, it's the same thing. If, if you see Harry Grant get 64 and you waited a week, you're cheering, I think. We touched on Jack White in last week as probably one of the biggest flops of the season. And for me, he had one of his best games of the season this week and still only scored a 61. It just, it doesn't quite add up with, uh, I guess, the, the amount of talent that he has. I think he had two try assists and a line break assist and still only pumped out a 61. It's, it's I wouldn't say worrying signs for Canberra because I think the season's sort of gone off the boil a bit. But when your star player is playing one of his best games of the season, it's only translating to a 61 in sort of super coach standings that... Not particularly ideal. Uh, Bailey Simonson with 106. If teams still have him in the center wings, um, not a bad score to have, especially as an AE or, or a 17th, 18th man. Uh, moving down, we see Corey Hadawira Naira, as we said, 13 points from him. That included a, a, a send-off. His season's done. As I said to you, mate, I think it's a blessing in disguise, personally. We're not going to be copying uh, those unfortunate AEs anymore. We move on to the Dragons and the Panthers. The Dragons going down 16-34. to 34. Uh, Dylan Edwards top to scored this one with 96. Not too much to talk about here from him, considering just the amount of talent that we have at fullback. But uh, with how little talent we have at halfback, Nathan Cleary's first game back, 82. One try assist, did basically nothing. Got off the shoulder charge. It's a huge positive for super coaches and a huge 
positive for players looking to bring him in in, in replace of Tom Trevojevic, isn't it? Very good signs. I think he played a little bit. Uh, he protected himself a little bit. He, he didn't do, you know, what he normally does, trying to protect his body. Um, although he didn't pr- really protect his body when he did a blatant shoulder charge and got off. But for super coach owners, uh, they'd be thrilled with 82 points and a safe and happy return. Also pretty thrilled with a 71 from Matt Burton as well. He's uh, put together a couple of back-to-back pretty good scores in recent weeks while with the absence of Cleary, but he shifted back to the centres. And uh, if you did trade at Cleary and you've got no other option other than Burton in your halfbacks, it's not a bad score to take. Uh, Burton is my halfback and he's my only option. So more of the more of the same, please, Matt Burton. And Nathan Cleary coming back looks like it's freed up Jerome Luai. 63, not outstanding, but it's definitely better than the some of the shit we've had to put up with in the last 10 weeks. I think we said last week that he hadn't had a score above 50 in 10 weeks. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Jerome Luai is back to somewhat of his best. Uh, moving down the list, I guess the only disappointment from a Supercoach relevant standpoint here is someone like a Viliami Kickout only getting an 18. Not uh, not ideal for the Dragons, though. Zach Lomax and Jack Bird, probably the standouts for me in terms of relevancy. Both those guys, 67. I know that you're a huge fan of uh, Zach Lomax, as I am with myself. I brought him in Midway through this year, I brought him the week that he did his hand, which wasn't ideal. But yeah, I think the the Dragons play much better footy with Zach Lomax in the side. Absolutely. Um, really, really good ball runner. Really good goal kicker. He's got a nice flick pass. He's got pretty good base in him. I'm hoping he only stays between 50s and 60s for the rest of the season so he can be a nice cheap pickup for next season. Yeah, hopefully pick him up somewhere around the 400k mark for the season next year. A guy that we're that we're pretty keen to pick up, uh, Junior Amoni, Talatau Amoni, however you guys know him as. I'm not too sure what's going to be happening with Corey Norman and the Dragons next year, but if uh, if Junior Amoni comes in, uh, this is a guy that I identified back in preseason. He had a brilliant trial, and I didn't expect him to get as much footy as he had this year, but uh, yeah, it's pretty annoying that he's pumping at these fantastic scores because he's gone from under 200,000 to, to probably 250, 260K for next year and uh, looking like one of the cheapy halves of the future. I know that you you don't know a huge lot about him, but just passing the eye test, uh, I assume. Oh, absolutely. Uh, eye test is fantastic and he's, he looks like he's going to be someone that we might need in the halves next preseason. Um, he's playing good footy and I don't understand at the moment why the Dragons aren't playing the young fullback. I forget what his name is. Fresh in my memory? Uh, Sloan. Uh, Sloan, Sloan yes. Yeah. Like, you've got Amone, who's playing really good football. You had Sloan playing really good football, and you got you can play Jack Bird anywhere, anywhere pretty much in that side, and you're just kind of wasting him at, at fullback. He doesn't look like a fullback. He, he, he works his guts off. He's probably the hardest worker in the team. But why not give Sloan the opportunity to thrive along, along alongside a young halfback now? Yeah, I think if the Dragons are realistic, their top eight chances are done, even though they're still mathematically possible. Surely they just have to realise that that, that dream is over and, and blood the youth, blood the guys for next year. I'd be definitely happy to see that. Uh, as a Roosters fan, mate, this one was scintillating stuff. 20-21 to 21 against the Broncos, up and down the last 10 minutes. Uh, James Desco, top score with 99. I just don't see where his points come from, uh, which is fantastic with Supercoach owners. If you, if you can't really see where he's getting points from and still pumping out 100, you will take that every day of the week. Absolutely. He just runs and he, you know, zigzags across the field, getting tackle busts and he works his, he works his ass off this fella. 
I think he's trying a bit too hard at the moment, and that's resulting in some errors. Um, I don't think he's gelling too well with Walker, but from a super coach perspective, the guy just bangs out scores for fun, and he looks like he's back. The biggest positive I would take away from being a Teddy owner is not the 99, but it's the fact that he put in like a nice little grubber in the end goal. Looks like he's added a string to his bow and the fact that uh, he's added that field play kicking. I think that's going to add another 10 points onto his average moving forward. Uh, Isaac Leo with an 86, CRC with Takiyaho with an 84, Dale Copley with a 73. Look, looks like Dale Copley is out with the suspension for a week, um, but as a Roosters fan, you've got to be pretty happy with the performance he put in, a uh, fair bit of base on him as well. One of the best games I've seen him play in in the NRL, actually. I thought he I thought he had a real good game, and he didn't actually look out of place, which I know when he previously played for the Roosters, I was singing out, drop this bloke, why is he in the team? But I wasn't doing that this week. He looked pretty pretty good, I thought. Uh, I guess we'll touch on Joey Manu. Uh, if you're an owner, you, you, you look at 51 and think, oh, could, could have been more, but he did nothing. Like, Joey Manu did nothing and still pumped out a 51. So when he does get a try or a try assist or a line break or whatever... Uh, those scores are going to skyrocket. I think he's had five weeks in a row with base over 40 and, and just put this one up to another game of over 40 and base for Joey Manu. He's really transformed his game. I remember the last three or four years, people would people would buy him, but he'd be a casual player's pick. If you if you ask a casual NRL fan, or oh, who would you put in your fantasy or, or supercoach team? A lot of them would say Joey Manu, but uh, for the experienced guys that really look at their stats, he's now adding that base to his uh, string to his bow. And it's just, it's I think it's really helping his standings moving forward, especially in the next year. 50 in a quiet game, you'll take that every day of the week. He just wasn't too involved on the weekend, and I'm not sure why that was, because if you looked at the way that he finished the previous game, he was involved in everything. He was floating like a second fullback. He didn't do that this week, um, and maybe it just was a quiet game, and we'll see if he does it this week. But as I said, 51, when you don't really do anything, just bank that and move on. Uh, Payne Hearts, 80 was 84. Like You'll take 84, but the fact that he's got a try with a line break and a couple of tackle busts thrown in there, that's a 30-point a play. For what Payne Haas has been putting out in recent weeks, seeing him score a try with a line break, you'd be hoping for triple figures at least. Yeah, you would have thought that he would have at least scored you know, 95 to, to 100 with the try. Uh, he played really well in the first half, and then you didn't really see him as much in the second half. I think he might have got a longer break than normal. But at the same time, in the last four to six weeks, Haas is banging out score after score after score. So if you're an owner, you're probably just rubbing your hands together and say more of the same. I bought Thomas Flegler midway through the origin period uh, when he was going to cover. And I thought, he'd, I thought he'd play big minutes. It never sort of materialized, never really got a score above seven, uh, sorry, above 50. It's This is what I've been holding him for, I guess. I was forced to play Flegler. He got a 75, obviously had that... Uh, Try assist off the kick, which is ideal. Albert Kelly with a 65. Danny Levi with a 61. Jordan Ricky with a 61. At the start of the year, the Broncos were a plethora for Supercoach talent because they were all so underpriced. But as the season peaks, it's really only Payne Haas that you're sort of looking at. A side that you do look at for Supercoach, though, they are brought in uh, this week with a, with a lot of reinforcements. They do get Alex Johnson back, which is huge. Which is the South Sydney Rabbitohs defeating the Gold Coast Titans 36-6. to Cody Walker top scored this one with 121. Uh, this is some of the best footy that I've seen from a 5'8 in, in recent memory. Oh, what a streak he's on. I, I said on last week's podcast that I was going to hope for a high-scoring day game and I was going to vice-captain him, and I did. And I was tempted to loop. Um, I didn't, thankfully. Uh, but he's just on fire at the moment, and he's floating both sides of the field. 
and Souths are just they're just really rolling forward. I'm really interested to see how they go this week against the Storm because the Storm haven't been as good, I don't think, over the last month. Still winning, obviously, but Souths, Souths are hitting peak form, and I think there might be an upset this week. Yeah, Melbourne went through that stage of sort of round seven to round 18 of just absolutely demoralizing teams left, right, and center, and they've... I say falling off a cliff a little bit. They're, they're still undefeated through what is it, eighteen games, which is immense, but not quite the the heights we saw of them. And, and yeah, the Rabbitohs are hitting their strides. Look, the, the one thing that does concern me with the Rabbitohs is that they do switch off for 15, 20 minutes in the second half, and they did that this week, uh, letting the try. But Cody Walker obviously had a field day, not to be overshadowed by Latrell Mitchell with one hundred and fifteen. Look, if Latrell Mitchell is reasonably priced next year with no Adam Reynolds, I can see a world where he is potentially. Uh, one of the highest owned fullbacks coming into next year, especially with the goal kicking. Potentially the second highest owned fullback. I don't think, regardless of price, I can start without Turbo if he's fit to start next year. But at the moment, I too, I'm eyeing off Latrell Mitchell. I think I said it on Twitter earlier this week. I'm eyeing off Latrell Mitchell to start next year. Goal kicking, he's just getting better and better and better playing in that role. And he's such a damaging runner that some of those runs that he makes down the sideline often, he, he just... You know, loads up on the tackle busts and then he ends up with a try assist and it's just white gold. Alex Johnson is back this week, as we touched on, but the man that replaced him hasn't done a bad job the last couple of weeks. Josh Mansell with 94. I think he had 170 the week before. I think he had nearly uh, 100 the, the week before that, from memory serves me correct. Like Josh Mansell has had a pretty scintillating month of footy and unfortunately he's going to lose his spot. It just shows you how stacked that left edge for the Rabbitohs is. Yes, someone on Instagram said that he owns the best real estate in the NRL or in Supercoach. I'm not sure who that was. Do you know who that was? Wonder, wonder who's... I reckon that's the same bloke that said Jair, it was a massive trap. But no, in all seriousness, though, like it is the best real estate to have in the NRL. Like Just being parked on that left wing for, for the Rabbitohs, there, there isn't many better spots to have in the NRL. 30 tries on that left wing, if you total in Mansour's last three weeks or last four weeks, however long he's been playing for. And you add that to what Johnston did for the start of the season. It's just nuts. Uh, yeah, definitely. You'll, you'll take that. And the same thing same thing with Braden Burns. He got 92 as well, replacing Dane Gagai. So uh, one drops out, another one comes in. They just step up and perform. Uh, Damien Cook gets an 80. Now, I don't know if I watched this game correctly or not, but I don't know how Damien Cook got an 80. Maybe I missed a try assist or something. But if you're an owner, you'll definitely take that, uh, despite the season Cook he's had this year. Yeah, I, I personally, I didn't see where the points came from. Like... He didn't look too different to what he normally does. Um, so he must have got some junk involved in that somehow. I can have a look. Um, but I, yeah, it just looked like a typical game for Cook. And somehow he got 80. So owners would be absolutely loving life with that. All preseason, the battle was between Jacob Host and Keon Kulmatangi. Uh, Bennett went with Host to start the season. A lot of people jumped on him. And then I think he was dropped week two. And ever since then, Keon Kulmatangi has really nailed down that spot. He bagged a 63. Uh, uh, Sorry, uh, Totola, he grabbed a 61 off the bench. Great stints from him. Arrow with a 55. Cam Murray with a 49. Uh, Not a whole lot else to really talk about here from the Rabbitohs. For the Titans, though, Brian Kelly, 99. What was that, sorry? No, I was saying, yeah, not too much else. But I will add that Koala, he, he looks fantastic on the edge at the moment. He looks like a genuine edge runner and... He's left host for for dust this year. 
yeah, it, it, it's funny that that all preseason we, we did speak about Kulmatangi and and host and and host did win the battle to start the season, but yeah, Kulmatangi has blown him straight out of the water. Uh, as I said, Brian Kelly, ninety nine owners that maybe have held, I don't know really who would finally hitting some kind of form. He's had a decent month of Supercoach scores, but I think he's been one of the biggest letdowns for me this season. Yeah, I agree with that absolutely. Just with how much hype that he had coming into the preseason, obviously. Everyone was on the base that train, and, and he was one of the best for it and, and didn't, I guess, live up to it. Uh, Corey Thompson has been a revelation this year. I don't know why the Tigers let him go. Uh, he's been fantastic. I remember he set the world on fire in the first five or six weeks, averaging over 17. Uh, came back today with a 73. Uh, but I guess I'll touch on David Fafita. Uh, no tries, no involvement, 31, coming off the bench. In a game where I understand Holbrook bringing him off the bench against weaker opposition, have the, the middle sort of soften them up, and then he comes on and explodes. But... Against the Rabbitohs, I just thought that you'd want to be getting on the front foot and getting ascendancy because if you just let the Rabbitohs get on top of you, uh, it's exactly what happens. They put on 36 points and the game's done. Fafita came on and and didn't have an impact at all. Yeah, well, I ranted ranted to you during the week about this. Why would you have your best player coming on the field sometimes when the game is over, like you're too far behind to catch up? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And... I, I think a lot of his tries when he had his, you know, try scoring hat tricks multiple times this year, a lot of them had an early try. So it's not like he can only score against weakened or tiring defenses. It just some of the decisions that have been made up there are just baffling for me. For the Cowboys, look, this was a shit game to watch. As a Tigers fan, I'll take the win. Nice. We still have the dream of coming in the top eight, but most likely finish ninth as always. This was just a rubbish game to watch. It was an absolutely terrible game to watch. The only thing that kept me glued to it was the fact that my opponent in the charity league had about five Tigers, so I was death riding it like no tomorrow. But the game itself was rubbish. Both sides played terribly. It was oh, it's like nails to the eyeballs. Uh, yeah, Adam Dewey's been killing it, mate, week in, week out. Uh, told people to get him back in round 10 or so and uh, didn't do it myself. Another guy that I told people to jump on early and unfortunately didn't do it myself, Ruben Garrick, 199, scintillating stuff. But the question needs to be asked, if a winger is now getting the fifth best supercoach score of all time, we need to sort of look at how the point's being scored. Oh, uh, yeah, it's too it's too lopsided at the moment. You've got, you've got fullbacks, halfbacks, and now wingers scoring 200 plus scores, regularly scoring 150 plus scores. And you've got forwards that are barely ever cracking a ton at the moment. It's way too lopsided. Uh, and I think something needs to be done to to even that up. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think we've had three scores of 200 plus this year. And I think we've had five scores of 190 plus. So yeah, I mean, Cody Walker's 203 last year looked looked the peak, but uh, yeah, Cleary, that's it. Cleary Trevojevic, now Garrick's end of the conversation, Pappenhausen at the start of the year as well. Like there's just been um, scintillating stuff and it's fantastic for owners, but um, with the with the game, the way the modern game is changing, I think needs to be uh, particularly addressed in the off season. And it just speaks when Tom Trevojevic scores 179 and isn't the top scorer of the game. Uh, it just shows you that the scoreline definitely reflected this with the 56 to 10 thrashing of the Eels. And uh, yeah, that left edge, sort of, yeah, ex- exploded. But how do we see Garrick going now that the, the reports are out that Travojevic could be out for up to five weeks? Look, Manly, Manly have three pretty easy games, but I 
I think he would still score well if he was still on the wing. But given that they'll probably move him to fullback, I think that's probably going to limit him. And you'll find him, he'll probably score in the 40 to 60 range um, across those three weeks, which is nothing, obviously, compared to his to his stats on the wing with Turbo. It's not the fact that, that he'll lose the try scoring, but Manly put up 10 tries this game. Uh, what's a conversion worth? Four points. So that that's 40 points if he made all 10. He missed two. So take off four points. So he, he scored 36 points just in goal kicking. Uh, which is definitely going to help the average there. But yeah, Manly, I guess the, the positives is that DCE is hitting his strides. At the start of the year, DCE wasn't playing well without Turbo, but DCE is playing good footy. Kieran Foran's chiming in well. Uh, yeah, DCE got a 96. Saab got a 90. Moses Sully got an 83 in about 18 minutes, which uh, equates to a 4.6 ppm. So for all you math heads out there, it's about 370 points uh, through 80 minutes, which would have been uh, nice for, for people that owned him. Uh, Kieran Foran with a 63. Dylan Walker's played some pretty good footy this year. He was someone that uh, I touched on in preseason. I think he was underpriced, but didn't get the start. Uh, coming off the bench, probably too unreliable to be looking at. For the Eels, though, no one scored above 50 points. Uh, Maddo would have, but got sent, uh, sent off. And Isaiah Papali, E46, playing in the front row. Brad Arthur has well and truly killed him. Yeah, you take your best uh, attacking asset for the season, basically, and you slap him in the front row. It doesn't make any sense to me, especially when you're putting Sean Lane on in his place. I would be definitely be moving him back to the edge now that Madison's gone for a while. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's the, the best bet for, for the Eagles to have any kind of uh, stability moving forward for the rest of the season as they're... Their season is in free fall. Uh, the Warriors, mate, they're building towards something. Uh, a couple of good wins. I think three wins in a row now uh, over the Bulldogs. But um, a win's a win. You'll take the two points. You move towards the finals. We touched on Josh Curran last week, mate. You said as a Roosters fan, seeing him come through the grades was was fantastic. And uh, th- there was a lot of hype with him moving to the Warriors. And no Tohu Harris uh, stepped up in that sort of role in the middle. Pumped out at 139. I think he had 50 points after 10 minutes or something. And... And continued on with it, got grabbed some points and updates as well. So nearly 140 for an edge back rower. It's uh, it's huge. Amazing. It was a real breakout performance for him, and it, you know the way he's been playing over the last couple of weeks, you can you can see why it did happen. That that couple of minutes at the start of the game where he made the line break, and then two seconds later, he you know he ran that excellent line off um, O'Sullivan. It was it was wonderful and. He was in everything, you know. He made he's making four or five tackles back to back to back at some point during the game. He he's going to become the heart and soul, I think, of the Warriors club and in that forward pack if if they can, especially if they can find the success, which they might get next season, given that they've you know bought quite well and they've got a nice roster building now. Yeah, it's not a not a bad forward pack. You can have what Matt Lodge. You can have AFB. You can have Tohu back. You're going to have Josh Curran. Uh, Jazz Tavanga as well as a guy that you want in your forward pack. And you obviously got Reese Walsh, uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita, uh, Sean Johnson coming in as well. Cody Nicarima, if he can find some kind of form playing nine. Yeah, the Warriors definitely building. But one acquisition that I really like is is Ewan Aitken playing in the back row. 74, did nothing, all in base. Looking like one of the guys to have for next year. Yeah, well, he didn't do nothing, clearly. He worked his ass off to get 74 points in base. Uh, and it looks like that's just what he's going to do. It looks like he's just one of those blokes that's got a high work rate. Um, if you've got a trade, I think he's definitely worth it at the price. Do we think next year it suits up with Curran at one back row, Aiken at the other, and Toho at 13? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Uh, that would make the most sense, uh, especially based on current form, but it's a little bit hard to tell. Uh, they've been rotating a little bit with who comes in and who goes out, but I think I think if they base it on the way that they're playing at the end of this year, especially without Roger Tuovasa-Shek, you'd have to think that that is going to be the way that they line up to start next year. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And obviously, Reese Walsh getting a 75, him at the back, I think he's developing week in, week out, has the goal kicking, probably not um, your top prospect, but if you need to if you need to get some cash for Turbo, uh, so if you need to get some cash for Cleary, going Turbo to Walsh isn't a bad idea. Obviously, a big, big fan of his in my team as a bit of a pod, and yeah, pretty happy with the last couple of weeks of output that he's had. For the Bulldogs, man, I know you're a big fan of Aaron Shop. Uh, I think they look better with him on the field, a big, damaging ball runner. Uh, I think he'll he'll be very, very good for them. Uh, aside that only scored 10 points, he pumped out 90. You'll, you'll take that uh, if you're an owner. He's been the shining light for them uh, lately, I think. He he looks like, you know, he, he looks like he's a damaging ball runner. He's deceptively quick for a guy of his size, um, and I think even with all the extra people that they've got next year, especially, I think he plays left center, and that will place him outside Burton, and he might be if he doesn't get too too high in price to start next year. He might be a sneaky option to start the year. It's just so hard to put stock in the Bulldogs, isn't it? Like, especially with Adokar on his outside as well. I just worry that maybe he's used as a decoy personally. Uh, possibly. But if he's cheap enough, you could put him, you know, as that, you know, center roulette awful. The Jason Saab awful, of 2021. <laughs> oh. Well, if he ends up finishing like Saab has, maybe that'll be okay if you hold him for the, let's say, the second buy. Oh, I just realized I'm going to have to play Saab every week until here on out and there's no turbo to, to make him any better, which is which is worrying. Uh, Josh Jackson got a 70, mate. Got your five points. Yeah, exactly. Josh Jackson got a 70. I wouldn't be reading too much into this. You're going to have Luke Thompson coming back and um, statistically those guys don't score fantastic together, both sort of in the middling 50s. Uh, Ryan James, I like this acquisition. Hopefully the Bulldogs can bring him on for next year. I think they're building something. And Ryan James, uh, paired with someone like a Paul Vaughan or a Tevita Pangai Jr., whoever they play in the front row, I think will be handy for them next year if they can if they can nab him. Well, if they had those three guys that you said, that would be a, a pretty, pretty solid pack. Might give away a few penalties. But I thought Ryan James played really well on the weekend. Um, outside of getting his ass handed to him by Reese Walsh, he, he played really well for him, and maybe the Bulldogs now go, you know what, he's not getting any time for the Raiders, and Ricky doesn't you know, appreciate what he puts in. Maybe the Dogs will come to the party and say, hey, do you want to come play for us next season? 
Same with Corey Horsburgh. I mean, I only scored 46 in Supercoach, but I think he brings a lot of energy off the bench and a lot of aggression that maybe is more controlled than someone like a Jack Hetherington can offer. Yeah, I'd take Horsburgh over Jack Hetherington. He's a he's a head case, that bloke. He's yeah. a liability, I mean, actually, you, 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 I want, you want those head cases in your team, but controlled. But Hetherington just seems... You want them to be more on the... Yeah, if they're more like... You know, we're a Hargraves type where they might give away penalties, but don't necessarily get sent to the simmin or sent off as regularly. It's a little bit different to Hetherington just doing stupid things on the field and then making things harder for the dogs by putting them to be a man down. Mate, we touched on the Cowboys-Tigers being the worst game of the round, but uh, this Sharks-Knights affair, it, it certainly challenged them. Uh, it was my worst game of the round because it killed me on Supercoach. And it was just a really it was a strange game. The Knights look disjointed. They've got too many Chiefs at the moment and it's interrupting their offense. They're not playing anywhere near their potential. You can't tell me that side when it's at full strength shouldn't be, you know, somewhere between six and eight. The Sharks the Sharks show a lot of heart, but I'm not sure. They're just, they're just not good enough. I hope they don't make the eight because I think it'll be disappointing. To see and, teams get bundled out really easy. And Ponga looks fucking shithouse. That's one way to put it. Uh, yeah, Ponga looks like he's carrying multiple injuries, to be honest. And he's he's just not he's not following the ball, which is one key thing that surprises me because Ponga always follows the ball and most good fullbacks do, but he's just hanging off. And even when he gets the ball second receiver, he's... He's jinking across field instead of taking on the line. I think something's up with Ponga. I think he's carrying an injury and he's just trying to get through to the end of the season. That was the thing. Like the the Knights looked on fire. They they had Pierce hit Tuala on the left, and yeah, that that may look fantastic. But you, you're right. Ponga was nowhere to be seen. Normally, Ponga is either out the back as a decoy or, or throwing the pass himself. He was was not there. He's also lost the goal kicking. I think people don't understand how much that impacts uh, a good scoring side. We saw that. Garrick picked up 36 points just in goal kicking alone on the weekend. And I know that sides aren't scoring 10 tries every week, but it's definitely going to add 15, 20 points on your, uh, on your average. And he's lost that cliff has taken over that. And I think that's, yeah, really, really killed, uh, Kalen Ponga going back up to the sort of the top of the list, David Clem with a 73, uh, Anari Chihuahua with a 72, Bradman Best with a 72. Great to see him come back after uh, a pretty poor week last week. If you bought him, I think I suggested him three weeks ago and he pumped out a hundred and something. And then, pumped out a 36, and then pumped out a 72. I mean, you'll take the highs and lows. Still a pretty good average to have if you're a best owner. Best is... The one problem with best is that he can't string together football games. I think I heard them say on commentary that he hasn't played longer than six games in a row since he debuted in the NRL. And that's really concerning, and it's upsetting because he's such a good talent. He's he's an absolute beast of a centre, and if he could string together a full season, he'd probably be a top-four centre. Mitch Barnett, 65. No lock on Fitzgibbon. We expected a good score back from him. Jaden Braley looks back to some kind of his best. I mean, the 56, if you were debating whether to go someone to Grant or you stuck with Braley, I think you and I both agreed last week that you'd stick with Braley for one more week and see how he went. Uh, there was only an eight-point swing there, so you'll take that considering saving the trade. It's definitely worth eight points. I'd probably still save the trade now, to be honest. Um, he did have more involvement. Um, he probably had a lot of, a lot of base because there wasn't as much tacking stats, which means there was 
more to, more ball in play. Um, but I don't think Grant's going to be gapping in by enough to warrant the trade. And trades are really valuable at the moment, especially with what's happening in the NRL at the moment. If Grant was a safe 80 and, and Briley was pumping out 55, yeah, definitely go that way. But if they're within 15 points of each other, I think uh, hold the trade. Uh, Connor Watson, 53. Tyson Fazell, 47. Not what we want to see from him. He generally has a pretty good base on him. It looks like he may be out for a week, which isn't ideal. And yeah, Callum Ponga, 36. Not not what you want as him. As probably one of the best fullbacks to have for the run home, considering how juicy the night's draw is. It just didn't fire and this was the week that you needed him to. First week of finals, you wanted to see him pump together some scores and get you onto the front foot. But finals are over for me, mate. I know that you didn't have uh, a fantastic week by your own standards, but still 1,400 is a fantastic score. Where does that leave the Brewald order ranked? Uh, leaves me at 246. I think I'll have I think I'll have 17 players this week. I'll have to check that. I might have 16. I'm just scraping by, to be honest. When you're playing a front row of Fafita off the bench, Tino and Jack Bird, and they're the only three starters you got, you're definitely scraping the barrel. But at the moment, I seem to still be pulling out the scores, um, and I'm hanging on to my rank. I'm, I'm not honestly expecting to finish in the top 100 with the way my side is at the moment, so I think that dream's kind of gone. But I really want to try and hang between that 250 to 500 over these last three rounds. I think that would be an achievement with where my side's at. Captaincies, trade-ins, they're all going to be a pretty hot topic this week, mate. We'll get you back on on Wednesday. We'll try and pick apart the the carnage that we saw this week. Team with Tuesdays, obviously, tomorrow as well. That's going to be a big eye-opener. But, uh, mate, I very much thank you for your time. The listeners do appreciate it as well. And, uh, yeah, for everyone listening, for now, keep your friends close and keep your pods closer.